Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And this is Flyover Ministry. Jordan, I don't know if you've noticed anything about um, as we've gotten more digital with ministry, with things at church, or even as we've been podcasting, but I have slowly gotten more and more used to the way my voice sounds online. <laughs> have you noticed that? Um, not the direction I was anticipating. Um but I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've just, I, I remember a very distinct period of my life where I hated the way my voice sounded on recordings, uh, home videos and the like. And I just, I don't sound like that. Do I? Yeah. You know, I do. Um, but I think I've gotten used to it. What I have not gotten used to though, is hearing myself sing on our church's live stream, which I actively <laughs> try and avoid. I just, I don't care for it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, welcome to a new month as we get into a new theme, a new series arc for our podcast. Um, the introduction had nothing to do with what we are actually talking about. Surprise, surprise. We went on a rabbit trail already. But we are on a topic this month of bivocational ministry. And we're talking about people who are full-time, part-time, quarter-time, volunteer, uh, if you're full-time and you have a side gig, we are talking all about that sort of thing this month. So we it would encourage you, and again, welcome any feedback that you might have. Uh, we did a quick little search on Youth Pastors Only Group on Facebook, uh, just for people who have posted about side gigs that they have. And I'll tell you, Jordan, there was uh, a couple that surprised us, I, I would say. I'll speak for you here. but um... Yeah, no, that's... that's uh... The creativity of the human mind is something that we can appreciate in this instance, just as, as many other instances. And as we go forward with this too, um, just a quick definition in case someone's wondering, like, what are we referring to uh, with bivocational ministry? As you mentioned, we're talking not just part-time leaders who have part-time working at church, part-time at a job or full-time at a job or whatever. Just anytime you are pairing some sort of ministry with some sort of other work we're going to call bivocational ministry, where we have um, divided attention, divided commitments, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, what struck me in all of this, uh, as we were looking at the different options, what surprised me probably the most was, like you said, the creativity of what's available to people. Um, I was surprised to see the posts about somebody working at their local city newspaper um, the logging truck option was really surprising to me. I never have considered that. Usually it's, you know, I do woodworking or uh, they, people will do like antiquing and reselling on Marketplace or something like that. But there are all sorts of options for people to consider when you're looking at bivocational ministry. And we want to uh, affirm you if that is the way your church is currently set up to do ministry. Uh, just because you are part-time or volunteer does not mean that you are doing 
uh, a lower quality of ministry. Matter of fact, if you are volunteers, you are, <laughs> at least in my opinion, uh, a class above uh, most everyone else. Because, you know, at, uh, I think at least from the worldly perspective, uh, you can sometimes look at ministry and uh, tough nights of ministry and midweek ministry, working with students and people and say, well, you know, at least I'm getting paid to do this. And some people are not getting paid to do that. And if that is you, you know, that is tremendous and hats off to you for that. We want to support you as best we can. But uh, Jordan, you and I kind of have side gigs as we work at ministry as full time at our churches. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit before we really get going on this? Sure. Um, so I suppose we could even open this up a little bit more from bivocational to multivocational because sure. sometimes it's it's different than just two options that are before you. So um, you and I both have the blessing of being employed by our congregations as full-time positions. So that's kind of the base for us. Uh, but aside from that, we both work uh, in our association as coordinators for the youth ministries department, Dan being the networking coordinator and me as the training coordinator. Um, so depending on what is before us, there are multiple layers of commitment. So Dan might have a lot more time he's doing part-time than me, but I don't know. Uh, have we ever described what those coordinator roles entail? Have we ever done that? I don't know if we have. All right. I think this is a good time to explain that since okay. we're talking about this. So you network, uh, you do yeah. IT stuff. Networking, well, IT stuff. <laughs> Networking coordinator basically means that I have the opportunity to give uh, our churches and our fellowship a call uh, to be able to talk to pastors, uh, youth workers, youth leaders, parents, volunteers, whoever is kind of overseeing the congregation's youth or student ministries uh, with the intention of seeing how things are going, uh, trying to gauge what sort of things are going on. Uh, how we can help partner with them, what we can do to continue to support and pray for them, and if there's any resources that I might be able to pass along uh, to other people in our youth ministry department to help give them uh, either curriculum ideas or resources for them to be able to read up on to uh, become better um, equipped or knowledgeable on certain topics. That is uh, kind of the direction that I have to be able to have that kind of personal connection and build relationships with our leaders. And my ministry description kind of uh, is a little bit more focused, I suppose I could say. Um, primarily, my position started with recognizing that we had an opportunity to um, bring all of our interns on seminary, so people who are finishing up their time in seminary before ordination, um, walking alongside them on their internships, going through a special modified apprenticeship program in youth ministry. So as a part of their experience, they're getting trained as well what um, youth ministry in a small town congregation, or not necessarily small town congregation, but just um, in a congregational setting looks like. And then an additional thing is we have every other year a leadership camp um, that's more on equipping called Fly Beyond. And so I'm also chairing the planning team for that and making sure that we have places to stay, food to eat, and people to show up. So that's kind of my job. <laughs> yeah, I should add, now that you mentioned that, um, I do chair our planning team for our church body's Youth Worker Weekends, uh, the retreat that we just came off of a couple of weeks ago as we record this, and we've talked about in previous episodes. 
Um, but yeah, there are other coordinators as well. Thinking about uh, Chris Rasmussen as the administrative coordinator, Daniel Kananen as the uh, fly convention coordinator, and Liz McCarlson helping out also administratively uh, as well. Um, but yeah, uh, on top of coordinators, though, both Jordan and I uh, work as substitute teachers at our schools. Um, that's kind of, <laughs> there's a lot that we got going on. I didn't realize that uh, on top of the coordinator role, you know, substitute teaching uh, as well is an option for, mm -hmm. I wouldn't call that necessarily a side gig, though. I, yeah. like, I've always viewed that as an opportunity to uh, connect with students. I've, I, I consider it a form of visitation is how I've described it. But there is a, a financial bonus for that kind of visitation. Right. I so, mean, that, yeah. that's the, the weird way to slice it. But yeah. And and then one that we haven't figured out quite well yet is is this. So it's not really a vocation that's lucrative, but <laughs> it does take time. So we commit to, to putting this together every month and, you know, stay busy. And then being on top of that with, with leading our families. So, you know, it, and I, I don't think I say that not to like pat ourselves on the back and say, look how busy we are. Cause I think sometimes we can find our value and identity a little bit too much and just how busy our schedules are, but recognizing that I don't think we're uncommon in the ministry, um, circle. In fact, uh, how common is it for people to be doing bivocational ministry, working multiple things at one time? And a Christianity Today article back in, or cited a study in 2015 showing that around 60% of churches have a full-time pastor. Um, so that means that 40% of congregations are employing a pastor that is part-time or less. Um, and that's just full-time at a congregation. As Dan and I also said, we are full-time employees of a congregation and we are doing additional things. So there's, um, on top of that, probably a much, much more significant number too. And, and some of it comes down to choice. Um, I believe if I am correct that your wife is able to stay at home with the kids. Yes, indeed. Okay. And, and she homeschools. Mine as well. So so those are intentional choices that puts a little bit more of a burden on on me to to make sure we have enough financially, but we see the value in that. Um, and there's there's different reasons for it too, but this is a, a very common experience um, by and large, I would say. So uh, hopefully this is something that can connect with you as you're weighing through what does it look like? Are you considering diving deeper into it? Or am I the only one that has to put up with stuff like this? Uh, the answer <laughs> is no, yes, yes, no, yes. No, um, not necessarily in order of the questions that I asked because I didn't remember. Right. And I think there's all sorts of different reasons, like you were mentioning, why people would go and do this sort of thing, uh, why they would seek additional employment on top of a full-time job at their church if they are full-time. Uh, you know, maybe you might be at a church that says, we can only realistically afford to hire you part-time. We would love to have you full-time, but we can't afford full-time salary. And we are okay with you finding a different job. So there's that component. Uh, there might be a component I know as well of some of my friends that have a, a, an additional job on top of their other form of employment that they do on the weekends because that job helps fund their, uh, their hobbies a little bit more. So you may uh, be fully supplemented by your church and fine financially. Uh, you are living within your means. Uh, but you just wanted a little bit extra cash on the side so that you could 
do something that you enjoy. Um, there's that reasoning as well. There's also the realistic option that your church isn't paying you enough or isn't quite giving you quite what you need. And whether intentional or not, whether they realize it or not, that is uh, unfortunate. And I think there's something to be said about having uh, that kind of healthy conversation with your leaders to be able to say, here's how much it costs to live here. Here's my budget. Here's how I've been living. Here's the receipt. Kind of giving them a little bit of an audit to say, is it possible? Is it doable for me to continue to work here? I want to work here, uh, but I can't afford, you know, my uh, the way that I'm living. I can't afford to be here or not. Is this something that we want to continue or, you know, if, if <laughs> you have to pay your bills, I mean, that's the end of it. Uh, as much as God might be calling you to the mission of working with, with students or within a ministry, um, you have to take care of your own material needs. And that might mean uh, having a difficult conversation with the church to say, I'm still willing to do your student ministry or lead worship or whatever it looks like you're doing, but I can only do this part-time because um, I can't afford this. I have to find an additional job. And they may or may not be okay with that. But again, it's it, I think it's an opportunity to be able to have that kind of conversation with them. Uh, Jordan, who would you turn to in your church if you wanted to talk to about uh, the potential of financial complications? Mm. That's that's tough. I think there would be council members um, that I'd be inclined to go to, probably try to find out a trustee um, or council president. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's looked a little different. In, in my previous context, I think there was a lot more intentionality, just like asking how there's people who are upfront asking how we were doing financially. And that was mm -hmm. a part of the conversation that they took on, uh, wanting to be good um, in that department. And here it's been seasons where the annual budget has been a lot tighter as a congregation as a whole. So, you know, in a, in a setting like that, I'm probably not going, well, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to push the envelope anyways. I, I do not <laughs> say, Hey, give me a raise. That's, um, not my makeup, I guess. But, mm. uh, and I also think there's a faith component to it as well. Um, and not to sound like super spiritual, but like I remember a conversation that I had with uh, a pastor who was out in our area previously, and he had um, several kids at home, um, was out in one community in a small parish at multiple sites, kind of like yours, uh, mm -hmm. three different parishes. Yeah. And he said that, you know, when, when people are looking at a call to a congregation and the financial piece comes up, a lot of times we can just look at the numbers and miss other ways that God can be moving. And he said that when he was out there uh, for about, I think over 10 years, he said that he and his family purchased hamburger two times mm. in over 10 years with a family with like six kids, teenage boys, you know? Um, so you, you look at something like that and you see how often God provides. And I can say like, we've, we've been provided for here in, in several different ways. Um, not just hamburger, but there's someone who's taken it upon themselves to give us a gift card uh, to a local grocery store. Like, mm -hmm. I think the pace is about monthly where we'll get one. And it's amazing. So, you know, that's not something that shows up in your ministry package and stuff. So I recognize that there's those those things too. Um, but sometimes there is a time for conversation. And 
and having those people and having the honesty to be able to just say, you know, we're really struggling and we're trying to not be unreasonable. Like I'm not going to go in there and say, I, I need some more money, but by the way, we've got the side obsession with purchasing Gucci stuff, <laughs> you know, like that doesn't, you, that doesn't jive. Not, do you know how we do in the UP? Oh, you know, I, I look so Gucci. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> the poster child of Gucci for Ishpeming, Michigan. Um, I think, though, and I asked that question because I think there's a component where, you know, our churches are usually set up, and I'd su- suspect that your church is similar. There are spiritual leaders in our church, like elders or deacons, and then there are trustees that are mm-hmm. kind of the material overseers. So there's a part of that question when you come and ask for a, a raise saying that this isn't realistic or if you ask to go to part time because you need to find a different job. Uh, ministry wise, that's a conversation for your elders to see if what they're expecting is realistic. If if what they are looking for uh, allows you to go to, to part time work, you know, because they might then turn to the, the trustees overseeing that the trustees may say, well, we can't afford that. Uh, to which then the deacons might suggest maybe we should relook at how we're doing ministry because, uh, you know, maybe we're supporting a lot of extra organizations, which is fine and great, and I think that's wonderful. Uh, but at the cost of having a full-time person working with our students, uh, they may have to relook and reorganize how their budget looks. Maybe they would prioritize you being staying on staff full-time more if that meant you know, at the at the price tag of giving up some of these extra areas that they're supporting and giving money to. And I think that lends itself to, I mean, it's a difficult conversation and I acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, based on what your needs are, uh, as a leader in the church, I think you have an opportunity to be able to turn to. Uh, and I, I just ask uh, to see where you would turn. I think I would start with our, our trustees with the financial component. Uh, but I would make sure to include the, the spiritual side of that as well. Um, thinking of you, if that is um, you as you are looking to enter into that conversation, I think as a, as a listener, um, that's tough. And it's going to be delicate because like you, Jordan, I hate asking for money. I just, I do not like it. Uh, I think money makes people do weird things and act in a way that uh, becomes a little cagey. And I think if there's any way that would ever just create a burr in someone's saddle or give somebody a reason to, um, I don't want to say hate, um, but just to have kind of an ax against you, you know, or, or to have something uh, in disfavor. Yeah, if there was anything that would put you in disfavor with somebody, uh, money is a pretty easy gateway for that to happen. So I want to encourage you to have that conversation carefully. Uh, but also in all of this, know that there it was a study that was put out, uh, a compensation study put out by the Youth Cartel and Chemistry Staffing that is free for you to download, and we'll link that in the episode. But in that study, they find out that 10% of all youth workers and pastors are bivocational. Uh, and those people, as they work in a second vocation at the church, uh, they found that they average about $16,500 a year from their church for about 22 hours a work a week. Uh, and again, we'll link to that in the, the episode, but there's a, there's some interesting findings that you'll see in that. I bring that up because uh, we've talked a little bit about 
Um, the church is having a full-time pastor. These are people that are willing to admit um, bivocational or side gig uh, from the youth workers perspective. And I think that's just interesting to see that we're not as alone as we may think in all of this. And I think that the time is part of this too. I mean, we're just, we're living in a day and age where like the gig economy has just exploded, um, where it's so accessible to do something little on the side. You know, we talked about before recording, um, was it DoorDash or something like that? And Mm -hmm. then Uber, you know, you've got kind of those app things that you can do. Uh, Fiverr is a pretty big thing or Etsy stores. If you're creative to, to possibly make something that's a hobby that, that could also earn a little bit of money. Um, you know, even, I would even say like the substitute teaching I do is kind of like on a gig economy basis where it's, uh, I'm, I'm employed by this other company and I look at what's available and if I want to take one, I take one. So mm-hmm. it, some of those things are, are just, really available and making it accessible and, and creating those possibilities that are out there too. But at the same time, I also want to recognize that this is nothing new. I mean, we, we look back to <laughs> our Bibles and we see bivocational ministry, uh, specifically Paul as a tent maker. And, and you know, we even use that terminology, tent making ministry. It's not specifically like working with Coleman to make some tents for camping, but it's, it's referring to just having a profession that pays for your life livelihood so that you can do ministry on the side. And, and as we go throughout this, this month, uh, we're not going to just talk about what it's like to work and have a job and then also do ministry. Um, but we're going to talk about what it's like to work and have a job and, and do ministry, which is, sounds like contradictory terms. Um, I realize <laughs> you, that you just, you just exactly negated everything. I did. You yeah. Said. <laughs> but there's a reason so we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the challenges specifically because there are some challenges, um, whether they're challenges based on communication things, challenges based on scheduling things. We'll get to that next week. Um, there's blessings that I think we, we want to recognize as this too, sing, things that can actually make ministry more effective, more impactful, and stronger. And then uh, we'll be wrapping up with just uh, kind of walking through, evaluating this sh- potential shift to or away from bivocational ministry and, and things that are wrapped up with that. So I hope that this will be helpful for you if it's something that you have considered. Um, if it's something that you know other people in, you know, can love to hear your conversation on that as well as we try to make this round and helpful. Um, but with that, I'll leave the rest to come in future episodes and pray that you go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.